Did Kellen Mond really just light Clemson's secondary on fire? And why on earth did Alabama burn one of the four games Jalen Hurts can play in and still redshirt on a blowout win against Arkansas State? It's September 11th. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. Texas A&M lost to Clemson 28-26 on Saturday in College Station, and despite the Tigers pulling out the win, the story of the game is arguably sophomore quarterback Kellen Mond throwing for 430 yards and three touchdowns for the Aggies in a losing effort. So is Kellen Mond for real? Here to help us break it down is 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Barton Simmons. Barton, I know it wasn't exactly like Mond was slept on as a high school prospect, but in the context of his college career, which I know is still pretty young, this is such an outlier from a statistical perspective. Do you think 430 yards, three touchdowns against one of the country's best defenses is reflective of how good he was, or is there some reason we shouldn't trust this? <laughs> I, we Look, I don't know. I mean, I guess he, it's always a little bit tough to, to, to look at one game and, and extrapolate it out and, and make it any broad uh, conclusions, but I do think it, it was incredibly encouraging because the, the reality is, look, I think Kellen Mond, I thought we all thought Kellen Mond was a really talented prospect coming out of high school, but I mean, he was a 55% passer at IMG Academy, you know, through for 180 yards a game. Uh, he, he, he didn't come to Texas A&M as a finished product or even close to it. I, I think he came to Texas A&M as someone that we thought, like he's he's athletic enough to get the job done, uh, and and his passing sort of trajectory could go a, a number of different ways. Like it wouldn't have shocked me a lot of different scenarios for Kellen Mond as a as a passer. And I think what we saw this weekend against Clemson is certainly one of the scenarios that I I, I was very like willing and 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 eager to entertain. But that he's done it, I think what one two games, one sort of big-time game into uh, his, his year or season with, with Jimbo Fisher is, is really encouraging um, because I think last year he looked like what I expected him to look like as a passer, which was flashes of talent, but, um, but very raw and, and, and had a long way to go in terms of accuracy and in terms of what he was seeing in front of him and the decisions he was making. Man, I mean, over the weekend, he just looked... He looked poised. He looked comfortable going through his progressions. He looked like the game wasn't moving too fast for him. And, you know, for that to be game two under Jimbo Fisher uh, and for him to look that different is is sure encouraging from a Texas A&M perspective. So Jimbo Fisher has a bit of a reputation for developing quarterbacks. I mean, if he, if he turns Kellen Mond into consistently, obviously – probably not going to be throwing for 430 yards every weekend week out in the sec but um i mean if kellen mond is uh, you know upper tier one of the better quarterbacks in the sec is that one of the better jobs he's done with a quarterback to date i think it's all about how quickly that happens because look if, if that yeah like i think if that happens this year if kellen mond is an upper tier quarterback in the sec as a thrower and not just as a as a sort of a weapon uh, as someone that you can move the ball with through quarterback run and, and zone read stuff. But if he's a, if he's one of the better throwers at the quarterback position in the SEC in, in year two and year one under Jimbo Fisher, then yeah, I think that's one of his really more impressive 
resume bullet points that he's got because I, I, I fully anticipated and still do that Kellen Mond will be uh, an upper tier quarterback during his career. Now that Jimbo Fisher is there and, and the development he's going to experience. But again, like, I think to me, it's about how quickly does that happen? If that's a, if that's that quick of a flip to from long way to go to, wow, this kid's one of the best in the conference. Then I think absolutely that Jimbo Fisher deserves a ton of credit for that. And, and obviously I think Texas A&M then, cause they've always looked at the, the wide receiver room at that program has been strong for a while. And I think we saw that Saturday night once again, I mean, there were some dudes that were making plays. And so those guys are still there. Offensive line has always been okay. A&M to, to say the least suddenly, I mean, not only is that a great bullet point for Jimbo Fisher's resume, but now I think we're talking about Texas A&M as a team that could could beat just about anybody that they play. Uh, and so that, that's going to be a, a fascinating development to watch. Barton Simmons is a national college football writer for CBSSports.com and director of scouting for 24-7 Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. Thanks, Barton. Yep, you bet. Tua Tungabailoa appears to be Alabama's number one quarterback for the foreseeable future. So where does that leave Jalen Hurts? More than a few eyebrows were raised at the decision on Saturday to put Hurts into the game. Alabama ended up winning 57-7 over Arkansas State. Here to help us sort through it is Travis Ryer of Bama Online. A lot of people were theorizing that with this new red shirt rule, maybe you'd see Jalen Hurts' usage very tightly managed to preserve the possibility of a red shirt this season. So... It was a bit of a surprise to see him thrown into a game that Alabama was never in danger of losing. Travis, do you have any idea what Nick Saban's plan is here at this point? Well, I think Nick's been pretty clear in what his expectation is, and that's uh, that he expects Jalen to be available every game uh, over the course of the 2018 season. Now, what we haven't heard, and maybe we will in, in the coming days, is something from Jalen to that effect, uh, or perhaps even uh Jalen's family uh in some form or fashion we haven't had that sort of confirmation from that side of the table I guess you can say but there are so many different paths that uh this roadmap for for Jalen could travel uh but you're right in terms of the four game clock uh that was the most interesting aspect of Saturday was that it was a game that uh Alabama expected to have well in hand and it did early with Tua playing well uh, Jalen comes off the bench, did some really nice things in his own right. But uh, with it, uh, you're down to, to two games if you're Jalen and you're thinking uh, a red shirt is still a possibility for you uh, if if the transfer route is something that uh, uh, he considers to, to be a, a primary path for him after this season. Do you think there is a possibility that maybe in, in – Nick Saban's mind, the, the decision wasn't clear after week one and we needed to collect some more evidence and maybe, you know, in the coming weeks we'll see them keep a few more bullets in the chamber as far as uh, that four-game clock is concerned? Or it, It's interesting. There's no doubt about it because um, it, it, it looms. It does. And, and again, Nick's been clear in, in what he expects. Um, but until, until we see Jalen play in a fifth game, or again, we hear something more definitive from him uh, or, or his uh, uh, his family. Um, you know, I'm going on the assumption that everything is still in play. I went into Saturday thinking that the redshirt was still a, a, a possibility, 
Uh, and even after he burned a game against uh, uh, an inferior opponent like Arkansas State, I still believe every option is in play. And so um, with each passing game, uh, the intrigue sort of ramps up, though. And there's no doubt we're halfway home to that magical number four uh, when it comes to uh, his ability to to save a year and and still play some this season. Do you think it might be a point where you know it's easy to talk about this this saving saving him for the four games and doing the red shirt? I mean, sometimes that kind of thing works a little bit better, uh, you know, on the old NCAA football video game than it does when you're dealing with actual human beings. I mean, do you think there's a chance that maybe we got to this point and despite there being a lot of chatter around the possibility of a transfer, like Jalen just really wants to wants to play yeah you know and that's the thing that has been overlooked and it's a great point connor is that you know at the end of the day Jalen may be fine with the way things are you know we've all pretty much assumed that he wouldn't be i mean it would make sense if if he were not uh entirely thrilled with going from being a 28 game starter 28 consecutive games in which he made starts to a backup and kind of a complimentary player to tua um, but there is that, that human side that none of us can speak to. Uh, what really makes Jalen happy at this point? Now, it would seem in, in this connect the dots world that we live in, and one plus one equals you know two, and it's as simple as that. Um, sometimes there's a little uh, there's a little wrench uh, that gets a uh, monkey wrench that gets thrown in that plan that we all have figured out for other people. So, yeah, from that standpoint, that, that's what we don't know. Uh, w- what we do know, and I think the reason why we sort of do uh, connect dots, is that we heard from Jalen's father back in the spring, and it sounded pretty cut and dried. If, if Jalen wasn't the guy at Alabama, he would be moving on. Uh, with the four-game redshirt rule coming in, that added to the, the sort of formula that we were all trying to consider. So, but as far as this season goes, um, that's what we don't know. You know, even if he does burn a year this year at Alabama, and he still has a, another year to go. So um, it, it's not a, a do or die situation in terms of uh, him having still a, a, another year of eligibility to work with. Uh, he'll have that. It just it just seems sensible, I think, to everyone uh, that you would rather have two than one. But you know, we don't know exactly how Jalen thinks about that. So. Not that Louisville is necessarily a slouch, but we the the degree of competition, uh, the degree of difficulty, I should say, gets a little bit higher the next two weeks at Ole Miss and then Texas A&M in Tuscaloosa. What do you think we could learn about this quarterback battle over the next two weeks here? Yeah, I think this weekend's interesting because you look at the matchup on paper and you see Alabama and Ole Miss and SEC Western Division teams and Alabama's going on the road, Connor. But man, after checking out Ole Miss over the weekend against an FCS opponent, I'm not sure if the resistance from that defense is going to be any more uh, or even up to what Alabama has seen in the first two weeks against Louisville and also Arkansas State. They gave up Ole Miss did over 600 yards total offense, 38 first half points to uh, Southern Illinois last week. So. I still think this is a setting in which if Nick wants to play both guys, he can do it. I mean, the last time we saw Jalen Hurts in Oxford two years ago, he was a true freshman. Alabama fell behind, I want to say, 24-3. It was, you know, a three-touchdown game, uh, and he led Alabama back. Um, So I still think there's a 
good bit of trust in Jalen um, from, from Nick Saban. It's just that you know Tua is, is one of these sort of semi-generational players uh, that's just proven too difficult to keep off the field. You know, but that being said, again, um, maybe more so with A and M in two weeks because I think that's a legitimate defense with Tyrell Dodson and the rest of those guys. Uh, but this week, I think if if Nick wanted to go into this game with the same plan he's had the first two weeks, he could probably do it. All right, Travis Ryer is a senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. You can find him on Twitter at Travis Ryer. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Connor. One last thing we wanted to update you on before we let you go is that according to latest forecasts, Hurricane Florence is expected to make landfall late Thursday night or early Friday morning somewhere between South Carolina and Virginia. As a result of the impending storm, one week three college football game has already been rescheduled and more are likely to follow. With the latest projections pointing to the North Carolina coast and surrounding areas as a direct hit, many college football games in the Carolinas and Virginia could be affected by the storm. Wake Forest hosts Boston College on Thursday night, a few hours prior to Florence's expected arrival. FBS programs North Carolina, NC State, Appalachian State, South Carolina, Clemson, Coastal Carolina, Charlotte, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Liberty all have home games on Saturday that may be altered due to expected treacherous rainfall and wind conditions. Stay tuned to 247sports.com for more details on those games. The Morning Blitz is a daily podcast, so we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning with the biggest college football stories of the day wrapped up in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. You can subscribe to The Morning Blitz on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.